very powerful to think that the Lord has rescued us through Jesus, and now we move out toward others. It's amazing. If you want to borrow a Bible, you raise your hand. The ushers will let you borrow a Bible this morning so you can follow along with us. When you're finished, you can just put it in the pew. We are done uh, for worshiping in song today. We're not going to sing anymore. I'll be, I'll be finishing up here, and then we're going to worship in action. I know some of you are here today uh, visiting. Some of you are from out of town. Uh, this is it for you. You're going to just be here today, one and done. Uh, I want to tell you that God has a purpose for you being here today. I believe there is something significant that he wants you to understand and something significant that he wants you to act upon. I think God's going to speak to all of us today in a powerful way through his word. I want to start out by asking you the question, because I know a lot of you are asking the question right now, that if you knew exactly what God's will was for your life, would you act on it? And you're like, well, of course, because that's what a lot of you want to figure out right now. You are seeking God's will for your life, for your next move. What's next? Maybe it's, what are you going to do after school? Who are you going to marry? What about kids? You're trying to figure that out. And I believe over time, these things are going to work themselves out as you seek the face of God in prayer, as you seek the wisdom of others, and as you step out on faith. But I want to tell you here that apart from seeking the face of God and these wisdom issues, there are a lot of things in the Word of God that you do not have to doubt His will. And so today, you're going to leave here for sure knowing God's will for your life. Not in everything, but there's a lot revealed here. I can tell you for sure, based upon last week, for sure, what we talked about last week, for sure it is God's will for you to repent of and cast off idols in your life. Remember that last week? We don't want to have these ruling idols in, in our hearts. For sure, His will, get rid of them and follow Jesus Christ. Now, this week, do not be content with just casting off idols. Let's get into the specifics of what is God's will for you as you follow Jesus Christ. And one of the parts of his will as you follow Jesus is that you are to love your neighbor as yourself, including your neighbor who is suffering and your neighbor who is in great pain. It is God's will for you to move toward them. And that's what we're going to see in his word today. So let's turn, shock of all shocks, to the book of Deuteronomy. Yes, we are taking a break from Matthew. Let's take a break from Matthew. We're in the book of Deuteronomy. Where in the world is that at? Closer to the front of your Bible. If you can't find it, look at the table of contents. I have someone show you where it's at. We're in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 24. Now, for those of you who are paying attention, it's okay if you're not. We looked at this text about five months ago uh, on Memorial Day uh, weekend, but I was unable to really get into it or to preach it because we stopped short and I ended up interviewing this family who has 14 kids on the stage here. Um, Seven of them are adopted. And if you want to see that story unfold, it's on our website. Just look it up, Memorial Day weekend. But I wasn't able to get into our text much that day. 
And what we're seeing in Deuteronomy 24, it's going to be verses 17 through 22. What this is explaining is, is, is God's people are to care for those who are vulnerable, oppressed, and helpless in society. Specifically, we'll, we'll learn about the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And the motivation to care for the, these vulnerable and helpless people is going to spring from Israel's life as a slave. Since God came to their rescue as slaves, redeemed them out of Egypt, that they are to move out and rescue others who are suffering. It's the gospel that motivates compassion. Those of us who have repented of our sins and have found forgiveness in Jesus Christ, we now move toward others with gospel-motivated compassion to love them, to care for them. We're not doing it out of guilt, but out of gospel-motivated compassion. As the Lord has rescued us, we move with a rescuing love toward others. So let's go ahead and stand, and I'm going to read this passage. Deuteronomy 24, starting in verse 17. You shall not pervert the justice due to the sojourner or to the fatherless, or take a widow's garment and pledge. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterwards. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. You may be seated. For those of you who have been with us for a while, you may be saying to yourself right now, oh boy, here you go again, talking about the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And I just want to tell you, I am not ashamed of that. I feel like I have seen too much out in the world, and I've seen too much in God's word to be silent. I'm not ashamed to talk about this again. Because God's heart is very clear in his word. Let me show you some spots. Let me put up some verses for you. How about Psalm 68, 5? Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. That's in his holy kindness. God is reigning and ruling as the father and protector of widows. How about Deuteronomy 10.18? He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. So God's heart is, is consistently in the Bible, going out to those who are vulnerable, and he, he wants his people to do the same. So get this. The church is not to be apathetic with the suffering in this world. For those who are suffering, we're not just to say, well, we're the people of the word. 
and our task is to study the word, and they can just suffer. No, no. We are not to be apathetic. We are to move toward them with uh, this, this gospel compassion. And you want to know what, my, what my, my prayer and my goal for you today is while, while the time we're done, I'm really hoping that everyone in here will get this vision for their life on how they can leverage their lives in gospel compassion for others. I don't care what your gifts are. I don't care where you're coming from. I'm hoping you just get a vision for your life where you can, you can leverage your time, leverage your money, uh, leverage your gifts and your power to start to serve those who are suffering. That, that's my prayer for you. And it's, it's, it's this, I can't stop praying for you in this direction. I, I could barely sleep last night. God was keeping me awake. I feel like I had to pray for you during the night. God, give them a vision. Show them what their lives can look like to just take their lives as rescued people and to move out toward others, not because of guilt, because they've been redeemed. What, what could that look like? And that's my prayer for you today. So let's just kind of go through this passage, and I just pray this vision will become clear by the time that we're done. Let's start in verse 17. You shall not pervert the justice due to the sojourner or to the fatherless or take a widow's garment and pledge. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. It's, it's, we know that the powerful of society often oppress the helpless. It happened during the time of Israel. It happens today. The vulnerable don't often know their rights. They don't even know that they have rights. And so they're taken advantage of and oppressed. But the Israelites knew a little something about oppression as they were oppressed by Pharaoh in, in Egypt. And since they knew it's something a little about oppression, that when they encountered those who were weak and vulnerable, they were never to oppress them. Since they have experienced it in Egypt, they were never, ever to pervert justice. And I, I know about you guys. I know, I know you. I eat in your homes. You eat in mine. We hang out. I see you in the lobby. I talk to you. You're nice people. You're not like these baddies in Egypt, and you're not like the, the knucklehead Israelites. You're nice. And you would never pervert justice, would you? You ever thought about that? Like, what would it look like for us to pervert justice? And we think, well, we can think of common things of like, well, I don't want to buy products or support companies that hire child labor, child slave labor, period. You know, like that's... We don't want to pervert justice in that way, but I want to make it a lot more personal for you today on how you and I can actually pervert justice in a personal way. Notice in the passage in verse 17, at the very end, he says that you should not take a widow's garment and pledge. What does that mean? Say a widow's in need, she needs some food, she needs some money. So you're like, okay, I'll give you some money, I'll give you some food, but you need to give me your garment in return. I need some collateral. I need to know you're going to pay me back. Give me some collateral. And, and the Word of God saying, no, 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 you don't do that. You serve the widow without expecting collateral. You serve the sojourner without expecting something in return. You serve the fatherless not because there is going to be payback. And I would say serving the fatherless, the sojourner, and, and the widow is not popular. People are not lining up to do it because there is no 
payback in worldly terms. I'm, I'm not being condescending here, condescending right now, because I know there's payback in love, and I know there's payback in affection, but there is really nothing coming back in worldly value. And I'm just wondering, I'm wondering if you and I pervert justice by simply doing nothing, by ignoring the fatherless, by ignoring the widow and the sojourner, because they cannot give us something in return. And so we take our time and we hang out with people who can give us this reciprocal return. We hang out with our friends. We hang out with our family. We hang out with people at school. We hang out with people at work, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we hang out with primarily these people because there's something coming back to us. There's this payback in this relationship. And I'm just asking, and I'm just wondering, if we don't serve the widow, if we don't reach out to the fatherless and the sojourner, I'm just wondering... Is that a perversion of justice? I'm just asking. I know we're nice people. And we see this up front. We don't pervert justice. But do we by just hanging out with those people who can just pay us back? But my brothers and sisters, the good news is we don't have to feel guilty about this. You know what we can do? We can be convicted and say there is good news. We can remember where we have come from. Look at verse 18 again. Look at it again, verse 18. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. Ah, I get it. I get it. So we've been redeemed out of the, the spiritual state of sin, and now that we are redeemed, we can go, wow, I can leverage my life as a redeemed person towards those who are suffering. I get it. I get it. It's good news. But we're not just called to move toward them. We're actually trying to do something, make provision for them. Look at verse 19. Check it out. When you reap your harvest in your field, for all of you who have fields, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf, <laughs> and what's a sheaf? Sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterwards. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. This is interesting. So the Israelites were not to get all they could possibly get from their fields, but they were to leave a portion behind of grain and olives. And grapes. Leave a portion behind for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And, and you know, you remember the book of Ruth? We studied the book of Ruth about, about a year and a half ago. And, and the book of Ruth, as a, as, a, as a poor woman, she would go and glean in the field of Boaz, which means she would get a portion of the harvest that the harvesters dropped or they did not, they did not go completely to the edges of their field. And so she was able to gather provision for herself. And it seems that God is teaching in his word that those who he has redeemed are to give a portion to those who are suffering. Now, I know some of you are called full-time to work with, say, widows or orphans or refugees. That's your full-time. That's your, that's your calling in life full-time. You're all in. But for most of us, it's not. We don't spend all day doing that, most of us. And yet I still believe God is calling you to give a portion 
a portion of your time, a portion of your energy, and a portion of your money to help those who are suffering. It doesn't have to be these exact categories. Don't get hung up on these categories. It's just those who are suffering. You're to give a portion to those who are suffering. And as you give this portion, it's God's way of making provision for them. And so I'm just wondering, how can you leverage your life right now by giving a portion of, let's just take, the, let's just take time. How can you give a portion of your time? What would keep you right now from taking just a little portion of your time to serve those who are suffering? Like, what would keep you from doing that? And I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to pick on one group in here today. Not all of you. That will come at another time. But today, I'm just wondering, what would it look like to take your video game playing and cut it in half? Does that make you nervous? <laughs> oh, no way! But, I, but I, I do wonder, if you cut your video game playing in half, if that leftover time you could give to serve those who are suffering. I mean, just imagine it. Rather than doing this virtual rescue mission, good job, high five, good job, virtual, forget the virtual stuff, like go on real ones. Can you imagine taking a portion of your time to serve those who are suffering? And it's not about feeling guilty. It's about grace, this grace-filled conviction that God is going to put you on this, this mission as he has redeemed you. He's, he's sending you out in joy to serve others. It's not about guilt. Once again, look at verse 22. He says it over again. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. You are to remember, 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 like the Israelites, where we have come from. We were helpless slaves to sin, and God showed mercy, and he sent his son, Jesus, to rescue us. In our place, Jesus stood, bearing the wrath of God. We put our faith in him. We are saved from our sin, saved from God's wrath. We will live forever reconciled to God. And now that we have been shown mercy, we move toward those in mercy. And it's not because we're better than them. It's just that we're just as broken and we've been redeemed. So we serve with this gospel motivation. And as I've been thinking about these, these three categories of the widow and the sojourner and the orphan, I was wondering, wouldn't it be cool if we like did something? I mean, not, not necessarily church-wide, but as individuals, ethos, communities are like, what if we just kind of like did something? I mean, it is so boring if you want to just come to church and read the Bible, but don't you want to do the stuff? Don't you want to do it? What, what, a, what a boring Christian life you will have if you're not doing it, just obeying like, okay, I get it. It's all I need to know. Let's go. But I think too many times we, we don't know exactly what to do. Well, today, you will go out of here knowing exactly what you can do. Now, some, I know some of you are already serving in these venues of those who are suffering. But for those of you who are not serving at all, you will know exactly what you can do. And I'm just curious where God is going to like just go right at your heart right now. He's going to go right at your heart. He's going to stir you up in a certain area. So I'm going to just kind of just big picture here. Consider widows and sojourners, 
and orphans. So let's turn in our Bibles. We're going to leave Deuteronomy behind. Turn to 1 Timothy. I know I'm messing you up. Let's go to the other side of the Bible. 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 5. Look at the table of contents. Look on the person next to you. Now, we are not going to study this passage, but I am going to shock you with something. 1 Timothy chapter 5. I want you to know this is in there. 1 Timothy 5, from verses 3 to 16, that's a lot of chunk of the New Testament in this chapter, is all about how the church should care for widows. Did you even know that was in there? Like, whoa, what's that doing in there? Yeah, the whole, that's about how, what the church should do with widows because during that time, there, well, there was uh, widows who were made widows by, by their husband's death and they were lacking inheritance as it often went to the oldest son. And the, if the families didn't care, the state wasn't going to take over and so the church had to come in and, and intervene. And in fact, Paul elaborates on this, this program that he wanted the church to set up to care for widows who were truly in need. But one of the things I want to show you, you're going to think this is really crazy. My favorite verse comes from this passage. My favorite verse in my 20s comes from this passage. And I want to share it with you this morning. And I'm hoping it will speak to some of you. It's 1 Timothy 5.4. You can look on the Bible or you can look up on the screen. 1 Timothy 5.4. Look what it says. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. That right there was my most popular verse in my 20s. And you're thinking, why in the world would that be your most popular? It was. It really was. It's because for whatever reason, in, in craziness, when I was 21, just an absolute craziness. I, I can't even explain it. I was just a rebellious guy until I got saved. I was such an evil man. But for so whatever reason, at 21, God called me to be the sole caregiver and the one that took care of my grandmother. And it's crazy. Like a guy, just, I was terrible taking care of my grandmother. And I tried on a daily basis to get out of it. And I try to figure out why me as a man should not be taking care of this woman. I, I, I try to get out of it. And I kept coming back to this verse. And it kept convicting me. And it kept speaking to my responsibility. I kind of wish it didn't say that part, grandchildren part. I kind of wish it just said children. But it says grandchildren are also to have the responsibility of, of caring for their parents or their grandparents. Because the idea is that all the time and energy that parents and grandparents put into this generation, this generation is to pay them back in their old age and to care for them. Not to get rid of them, but to care for them. And, and that meant a lot to me. But the most important, important part to me was the very end of verse 4 where it says, For this is pleasing in the sight of of God. There's nothing more comforting for those of you who are caring for your parents 
or even your grandparents, when it gets hard to know what you're doing is I want you to look at verse 8. What if you choose not to care for them? But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So if you're a Christian, then you'll care for widows and family in need. And if you don't, the Bible says you're worse than an unbeliever. And the reason why you're worse than an unbeliever is because you profess one thing and yet you don't do anything about it. And that makes you worse than an unbeliever. And so this is what happened. About three years ago, I brought up this verse for the first time to our congregation. And there was this student. And God was just speaking to him so much that when he finished school, he left and he went to care for one of his grandparents. And I, I just wonder in here today if there's anyone who's like stirred, convicted, and you know, like, yeah, maybe you should reorder your life and make a move to care for someone who is suffering that is your, your, your parent or your, maybe even your grandparent. And don't try to put it off on someone else. It may, it may be you that needs to do that. Because you see what happens when a lot of families disregard their ailing parents and grandparents. What happens is that that creates a lot of widows and widowers in need. And they're alone. And many of them are in nursing homes, you know, by your school or by your street. And when I was uh, in my 20s, my grandmother hit this, hit this wall in her health. And for, for a few years, she had to also go into a nursing home. I'll tell you this. If you want to see a different culture, go to... A nursing home. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a radically different culture. Because maybe you've heard of abandoned babies, but some there are actually abandoned elderly. And the church just can't say, well, too bad. I really believe there is this call from God to care for those widows and those widowers who are in need from the word of God. And I believe today you have an opportunity. There are many people in our church. Some of them are single. Some of them are couples. Some of them are family who care for widows in need. There is a, a woman in our church named Wendy Klinkner who, who runs a ministry called uh, Senior Connections. And it, all it simply does is it connects you with a widow or widower near you that you can just meet with them and go and love them. You can be a freshman in college and do this. You can be a family and do this with your kids. And Wendy is here today. She's going to be set up over here in the sanctuary after the service where she can talk to you. And I'm just wondering if some of you are being moved right now to care for those who are suffering, the widows, the widowers in need. Well, let's move on to sojourners. Let me put up for you Deuteronomy 10. Let me put this verse up for you about sojourners. Deuteronomy 10, 18 and 19. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Look at this, what it says. Love the sojourner. Therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Let me put up another one for you. Exodus 23, 9. You shall not oppress a sojourner. 
You know the heart of a sojourner, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Isn't that amazing? So the Israelites, they were in Egypt, and that's not their home. They, they were sojourning through. And while they were there in Egypt, the Lord took care of them. He clothed them. He fed them, and he loved them, and they multiplied. And then they came back into the land, and when they were in uh, their land, strangers and sojourners would come through their land, and they weren't to abuse them. They weren't to treat them as second-class citizens. They were to love them, clothe them, and feed them just as the Lord did for them in Egypt. Are you starting to catch on this gospel motivation? Do you get that? Do you get that concept? It's, like, it's not we're asking you to do something that the Lord has not already done for you. You're going to do something to others that the Lord has done for you in caring for others. And my brothers and sisters, we are people just sojourning through this earth on our way to heaven. We should be in a, in a really good place to care for others. Now, I, I know that there, there may be... Uh, uh, a lot of things going through your mind when you think about uh, refugees um, or sojourners or the Bible actually uses the word aliens at time. And, and I know some of you who are really passionate about justice. And if you could, you would drop everything right now and go work in a refugee camp, wouldn't you? Like that is your passion. You would go right now. Those who are in the camps and maybe in Africa right now with, with regard to the drought who are fleeing Somalia and they're in some camps because of the, of the fighting over there, you would drop everything. If you could drop your school, you would love to bail and go serve there right now. And so a lot of us have these grand visions of serving refugees and those who are suffering. But let's take it down a notch. And how about I give you something to do right here, right now for refugees? Did you know there are refugees that come to our country and they've spent years in a camp? And they've been invited by the U.S. government to come and settle here. And they're coming right out of a camp with very, very little and the U.S. government will give them housing and give them English classes, but that's pretty much it. And this is where you come in. We are so blessed today to have Exodus World Service with us. And they do something that is so awesome. They make a venue for you to go meet these sojourners, these refugees who have shown up on our uh, soil, the U.S. soil, and guess where they live? Right by you in your neighborhoods on the North Shore in Evanston. And they've created a venue where you can go and meet with them once a week for three months to encourage them, to love them. And I know that it's not as as fancy and as cool as telling everybody you're going to go work in a refugee camp overseas, but it's just as much needed. They need love, friendship, and encouragement. And get this, this is the part that really strikes me. Many of these refugees are our brothers and sisters in the Lord. They're believers in Jesus. Not all of them, but many of them. And they come in here. And most of them this year are coming from Iraq, Bhutan. And they're settling over here. And they need someone like you to love them and to encourage them. So after the service, Exodus World Service will actually be in the lobby. And you can consider jumping in with them. Look, this is not our church program. Senior Connection is not our church. Exodus with the World, not our church program. We're not trying to promote our church stuff today. I'm not saying, come look at our programs and help us grow. It's not even about that. It's about you and your heart with the Lord moving toward those who are suffering. And the last one, 
as orphans. I want to just put up one verse for you. James one twenty seven. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Visit to care for those who are afflicted. And I have preached way too much on orphans and caring for them in the past. So all I'm going to do today is say, look, what can it look like for you to leverage a portion of your life for the 143 orphans, 143 million orphans in the world? What can it look like for you to leverage a portion of your life? And in the past, I've talked about adoption. I've talked about foster care. I've talked about safe families. I've talked about sponsoring children. And it's just killing me and eating me up over the past four months. I've been praying and crying out to God saying, what in the world can I possibly do to stir you up by God's grace to consider the plight of the orphan? What can, I, what, can I, what can I give you by just kind of throw out there by God's grace that would stir you up to consider how to leverage your skills and your time and your money for the orphan? And you know what I came up with? Pretty much nothing. Because I don't, I don't know you. I don't know your skills and everything. And so you know, what, you know what I thought? I thought to myself, if I could only get you to see it. I could just get you to see it. And, and the, like this past year, I went to Africa two times. And when I saw it, I was forever changed. And I thought, something has to be done here. God, show me what my part is. And so what I've been thinking about, if I could just get you to see it. So this is what we've come up with. We're going to be doing something starting in January called the Orphan Experience. And all it's going to do is simply show you from God's word, his heart for the orphan, show you in the world what's going on that causes orphans. And then what we're going to do is this orphan experience is going to culminate in a one-week trip during your spring break to Haiti. Because you've got to see it. you just got to see it. And I want to speak to the students up there. Look, I understand that you are busy, but I want to encourage you students, give God one spring break before you graduate to visit orphans and ask him to show you how to leverage your life. Just one spring break. I understand over Christmas, you see your family, you go to Christmas conference, some of you go to Urbana, I get that. Over the summer, you're doing your internship, you're going on project, I get that. But spring break, just one, give him one spring break to visit orphans, to see how you can leverage your life to serve them. And what's so cool about this orphan experience going over to Haiti is I believe, I could be totally wrong, that I'm hoping it's going to be a very significant thing. I've called and talked to several organizations, several ministries, and I believe that this is the right one for our church. And you know why? Because it's going to be so diversified. When you think of visiting orphans, you probably just think of holding babies and playing with kids. And for those of you who like to hold babies and play with kids, come on, you will have your fill. But it's going to be diversified in the sense that we want business men and women to go. Even if you're in college and you're entrepreneurial and you've got some business mind, we want you to go because we're going to think about what would it look like to leverage our lives starting micro-businesses to fund orphans in country. What would that look like? 
In fact, the leader of this trip is David Chikasian. He is a student at, at Kellogg Business School right now. Some of you Kellogg students should come along as well. And he, he's all into that. Maybe you're medical. You're thinking medical in the future. Maybe you're an engineer. Maybe you're a teacher. I don't know what it is. And you don't have to think, okay, what am I going to do? Go over there and build something? No, not necessarily. But maybe in the future, God will give you a vision on how you can leverage your life to care for orphans. And so I'm just challenging you. One trip. For those of you who've already been, you're done. Just one trip. If you're not in school, you're like an adult, and you don't get a spring break, just, just here, you, here you go. Just take one trip somewhere to visit orphans and ask God to give you a vision. And this is is your first chance. And I believe if you see, if you see it, it will jolt you and shock you into thinking and praying and crying out to God to show you what to do. One trip. You never know what one trip can do. I want to end by sharing something uh, with you. My daughter and I right now are both reading a book. I want to put this book up. It's called... Kisses from Katie. Yes, I'm reading a book called Kisses from Katie. (laughs) Now, this girl, Katie's her name, this girl was a senior in high school, and she thought to herself, during Christmas break, she wanted to go visit orphans in Uganda. Has anybody read this book? Oh, good. This is good. All right. This just came out. Did you like the book Radical by David Platt and Crazy Love by Francis Chan? This is pretty much like that. But she, she's doing stuff. So she goes to Uganda during her Christmas break of her senior year in high school. She gets there and she's so stirred up, she decides she's not going to college. She moves over there and now she's a big whopping 22 years old. And she's in the process, and she has already uh, adopted 14 girls. Yeah, she's 22, and she's a mom to 14 girls. And this is just from one trip that stirred her up because she saw it. And so I'm going to play this video for you. May God give you a vision as well. Let's look at this video. I like the part where she says, I love your neighbor as yourself. And she says, myself doesn't like to be starving. That's pretty good. So today we're not going to end with singing. We're going to end with worship and action. We're going to end by considering how to care for those who are vulnerable. Many of you, like I said, are already serving in these capacities. But those of you who are not, I would ask you to encourage you to consider how to leverage your life. Widows the refugee, the orphan, and the fatherless. As we were going through these three categories, what stirred you? What stirred you? What would be a good fit for you? Do you want to go to Haiti? Do you want to serve the widow? Do you want to go help welcome the family that may be coming in this this week with nothing? It's a time for action. Not just hearing the word of God, but doing it. And there are no excuses. You can't say you don't know, because now you do. We'll have senior connections set up in the sanctuary over here with Wendy Klingner. And we'll have the other two 
David Jacasian with the trip to Haiti, the orphan experience, and we'll also have Exodus on the other side. Your act of worship today is to at least considering. Let's pray. Lord, do not let us escape and run away from your heart because we have been redeemed. And show us what it means to give a portion. All of our time is yours. All of our money is yours. All of our talents are yours. And we have responsibility to care for our families, to do our studies, to do our job with diligence. But where is a portion that we are to give to care for those who are suffering? Show us what part we have to serve, not out of arrogance, out of pride, but as those who have been redeemed by Jesus. You came to our rescue. We worship you. Please give us the power to come to the rescue of others. In Christ's name, amen.